1: Welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm your host, Max Kaiser. We have a great show for you today. With us today, we have Gerben Zagsma. He's a senior researcher at the Center for Contemporary and Digital History at the University of Luxembourg. He's here to talk to us about his new book, Jewish Volunteers, the International Brigades and the Spanish Civil War, published this year by Bloomsbury. Uh, Thank you very much for being with us.
0: Thank you very much for having me on your show. Fantastic.
1: So um, first off, can you just tell us a little bit about how you came to write this book? So the book actually has quite
0: a long history. I was about 15 years ago studying um, Yiddish in London at the School of Oriental and African Studies. And I followed a class called Yiddish for Historians as well at the time at UCL (laughs) with with, uh, Helen Beer and during one of those classes we actually discussed uh, yisker books so jewish memorial books and one of the students in that class had actually taken a look at one of those books and sort of explained what she uh, what she found during the class and uh, she mentioned that there was actually a little article in the yisker book from Belchatov on a jewish volunteer from that city who had gone to fight in Spain and joined the international brigades and, um, I remember Helen, my, my, my teacher, um, mentioning that that was actually such an interesting topic and that she had come across quite a lot of material in the Yiddish press as well about that. And right at that moment, I was actually looking for a topic to write my MA thesis about for the MA in Yiddish studies that I was doing. Uh, and somehow the, the topic stuck to my mind. Um, I discovered that the SOAS library the the school of Oriental and African studies library had a couple of memoirs in Yiddish from volunteers who had fought in the, uh, in the brigades. So I had enough Yiddish material to work with and that's sort of how it took off. Um, I wrote a little thesis on the Botwin company, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit more, a Jewish military unit that was formed within the brigades. Um, Eventually I turned that uh, thesis into a much bigger PhD. Um, that I wrote at the European University Institute in Florence, in Italy, and then eventually that PhD turned into the book that is there now. But again, that book is actually a complete major reworking of uh, of the thesis, especially because there was a lot of archival material that I didn't have access to when uh, when I wrote it. So yeah, it, it started more than fifteen years ago, and uh, and here we are with the book.
1: That's brilliant. Um, well, congratulations on it finally coming to, um, fruition 15 years later. Um, so let's dive into the book. Um, sort of tell us about, uh, give us an introduction, um, to this topic. So tell us about the Spanish Civil War, the creation of the international brigades and who the Jewish volunteers were, um, who became part of the international brigades and also how that related to uh the Jewish migrant communists of Paris um in yeah, the 30s yeah.
0: so very broadly speaking uh the Spanish civil war starts in July 1936 when a group of army officers uh rebels against the um the democratically elected popular go- uh, popular front government of Spain at that time um what happens next is that you get uh, a civil war in Spain that very soon attracts a lot of international attention and support. Hitler and Mussolini uh, support the uh, the Spanish rebels, which are soon headed by uh, General Francisco Franco. And um, the... The Spanish government is basically aided by actually only by the Soviet Union and Mexico in material terms, while most European nations uh, adhere to the so-called non-intervention pact. So they don't really support that conflict. But this is, of course, 1930s Europe. So very soon this is actually also because of Hitler and Mussolini support for the Spanish rebels. This turns into a major international uh, important conflict that pits, so to speak, um, in, in the parlance of that day, democracy against fascism. So it become, becomes one of the defining conflicts in 1930s um, Europe. Within that context, at one point, the uh, Communist International decides to uh, start recruiting for a volunteer army to support the Spanish government, and that army becomes the International Brigades. Um, that first appear on the Spanish battlefields in late October 1936. Um, so basically the, and the, the communist international sort of took the initiative and created that army, but many people who joined were not necessarily communists. It attracted a lot of support from the left in general. Um, so what you have there is then um, a huge uh, uh, multinational Army with at least thirty-five thousand volunteers coming from more than fifty countries um, that fight in the brigades over the course of the of the, of the Spanish Civil War. Um, among those, we find a lot of volunteers who had uh, a Jewish background. That doesn't necessarily mean that they identified as Jewish primarily. A lot of them were communists or socialists, um, and, and 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 would had a had a leftist. Uh, identity in the first place. Um, But what you also see is that within those brigades at one point, uh, a Jewish military unit is created, a small Jewish military unit, and that's called the Botwin Company, named after Naftali Botwin, who was a Polish Jewish communist who had been um, tried and executed in, in Poland in 1925 um, after he had uh, murdered on instigation of the Polish Communist Party, a uh, police infiltrator in the ranks of the party, and Botwin had become somewhat of a martyr for the, the communist cause in Poland in the interwar period, but also for a lot of Jewish youngsters who were attracted to the uh, to the communist party then, and that party was one of the few who was actually actively combating anti-Semitism in Poland at the time. Uh, this was sort of uh this was not only a communist deed but botwin actually also symbolized a sort of jewish readiness to to act and to participate in the struggle um and the creation of that jewish military unit of the botwin company actually came about after lobbying of jewish migrant communists in paris um at the time, and that was mostly a group of Polish-Jewish migrants uh, who were active within the so-called Jewish section of the French Communist Party. Um, so then the question, of course, becomes why um, Why does a group of, of migrant communists, Jewish communists in, in France, um, is interested in creating a Jewish symbol on the Spanish battlefields? And that is basically one of the big questions uh, that the book then revolves about. Um, so basically what I try to to look at in the first place is um, what are the elements, the ingredients that provide the context uh, to create this Jewish company. And I think there are basically two, uh, two main elements. One is clearly propaganda. Uh, the Botwin company was created at a time when it became more difficult to recruit new volunteers for Spain, international attention for the Spanish civil war and the international brigades uh, was waning a bit. Um, At the same time, the international brigades for the communist movement were actually a very important tool to promote its popular front policy um, at that time. Um, So that was one element. Having a Jewish company made it simply easier for Jewish communists in Paris to sort of uh, uh, gain support for the conflict among Jewish migrants in France. Um, and also to sort of help support uh, its own efforts to establish a Jewish popular front um, on the streets of, of of Paris among Jewish migrants. Um, but there was another element that I think was very crucial. What you see actually from the beginning of the war is that allegations start surfacing that Jews uh, do not fight. There is, of course, a classic anti-Semitic stereotype. That Jews, uh, of, of, of Jewish cowardice, pachdonnes, as it's called in, uh, in Yiddish. The idea that Jews are not able-bodied men capable of fighting that Jews, uh, Dutch divide in, in, especially in Eastern Europe, there was the, in Poland, uh, reconstituted Poland after the first world war, there was the, the, the idea that Jews try to evade the draft. So there is a sort of background of anti-Semitic Jewish stereotypes that also fed, in my opinion, into the creation of the Botwin Company. Basically, these ideas that Jews do not fight also surface in the international brigades. And it was felt to be important to create a Jewish symbol to actually counter that narrative, that myth and so that is actually something that you very much, after the creation of the Botwin Company, also see surfacing in in Presse, the newspaper of the uh, of the Jewish Communist in France, um this idea that fighting as Jews in Spain, having your own Jewish military unit is actually the best negation of this this stereotype and this myth of Jewish cowardice. So there are basically two elements involved in why that company was created. So that's what I sort of try to elaborate on in the, in the book.
1: So, yeah, in the next section, you turn to an examination of, um, the representations of Jewish volunteers in the, um, Parisian Yiddish press. So mm-hmm. you mentioned, um, Naya Press there. Tell us a bit more about, um, about this press, uh, and about the different news, um, Yiddish newspapers of the time. Um, and how uh, and about the representations of the Jewish volunteers in the yeah?
0: So basically, in 1930s Paris, um, France, you have two uh, two major Yiddish daily newspapers. One newspaper is called Naya Presse, uh, which is the the newspaper of the Jewish section of the French Communist Party, and um, that section was actually dissolved in uh, early on in in March 19. 19- uh, Thirty-seven, um, but it remains the uh, the an important Yiddish daily newspaper. So that was a, clearly a newspaper, of course, with a communist imprint. And then on the other hand, you have uh, a newspaper called Pariser Heinz which was sort of an offshoot of the Warsaw Yiddish newspaper, Heinz, created by the same person, Shmuel Yatskan. That was actually not a party-affiliated newspaper, but it sort of had a moderate Labour Zionist stance. So those are basically, um, broadly speaking, those, those are the two main competitors on the daily newspaper market. And then in addition, you have a whole array of smaller Yiddish newspapers. The Bund publishes uh, irregularly a magazine called Unter Stimme, that I also looked at a little bit. Um so what what I wanted to do after sort of talking in the book about why the Botwin company was established is have a closer look at how do actually these Jewish communists in Paris write about Jewish volunteers and the Botwin company and what that also says about their local Political strategies. So, how does that sort of these representations of Jewish volunteers, the ways in which they write about them, actually reflect their local political interests and strategies? Um, and from a sort of methodological perspective, uh, this is, of course, a classic case of the advantage of doing then um, a comparative analysis. So, if you want to find out what is really specific about Jewish communists and how they write in their newspaper um You can only really find that out if you compare it to another non-Communist newspaper. So what I did was take these two daily Yiddish newspapers, Naya Presse and Parise Hind, and then got out, uh, analyzed everything they wrote about, uh, about Jewish volunteers, specifically with a view to figure out what was so specific about the Jewish communist position. And, Again, there you have these two elements that I talked about earlier. Um, there is a propagandistic element, um the struggle of Jewish volunteers that then comes to be symbolized by the Baldwin Company after December 1937 is a very good way to um to, to advertise, if you will, the um the Spanish Civil War, the struggle of the international brigades to its own migrant audience. Uh, on the other hand, what you also see very consistently is this element of um, of Jewish volunteers and of those soldiers in the Botwin Company um, actually countering that myth of um, of Jewish cowardice. But that representation is actually more broadly tied into to local political strategies. So what you have at that time in France is a situation where there is a rise in xenophobia and anti-Semitism. There is also uh, a switch in government. In um, April 1938, the second government of Leo Bloom actually falls. Uh, There is a new government headed by Édouard Daladier who starts introducing decree laws that increase the pressure on migrants, uh, particularly non-naturalized migrants that risk being sent back. Um, to their countries of origin in within among Jewish migrants in Paris at that time, this creates a huge uh, pressure, a lot of anxiety. Um, So Jewish communists actually try to, uh, as a reaction to that, uh, and as part, of course, of general communist strategy at that time, Try to create uh, a popular front locally and try to promote, as they call it, unity on the Jewish streets. And as I said earlier, the international brigades were quite an important tool to to achieve that for the communist movement in general. Jewish communists try to sort of implement that locally on the on 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 their the Jewish street, um, and basically within that that broader context, what you see is that this struggle of Jewish volunteers and the Botwin company becomes a way to 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 say to Jewish migrants like only if we act as Jews, if we actively participate in the trade unions, if we actively stand up for our rights, um, we can secure our place uh, in France. So in a way um, this this participation of Jewish volunteers um, of the Botwin Company um, is sort of hold up to held up to to Jewish migrants in France uh, as a model of action that can be emulated by Jewish migrants in France. And so you see that in a lot of propaganda uh, to defend Jewish migrant rights, in a lot of propaganda um, and efforts to create unity uh, among Jewish migrants in Paris, um, these Jewish communists actually used Jewish volunteers that fight in Spain and used the the, the symbol of the Botwin company to promote that much more local, uh, local policy. So that is sort of broadly speaking what you, what you get. If you contrast that with, uh, Pariser Heinz, the other Yiddish daily newspaper, you will indeed see that for them, the international brigades and the fight of Jewish volunteers is actually much, uh, much less important in Pariser Heinz. What's actually more important is what the, the Arab Jewish fighting at the time that is going on in Palestine, Mandate Palestine, Um, but also the fate of Jews, um, the Jewish community in Poland, um, what's going on in Germany, of course. Um, So there is a very, very clear difference um, in that sense between those two Yiddish newspapers and what they actually think is important about that participation of Jewish volunteers.
1: Great. So in the next part of the book, you discuss the memorialization of the Jewish volunteers' Uh, in the Yiddish press after the Holocaust, um, after World War II. Um, <coughs> firstly, tell us about where the Jewish volunteers uh, in the Spanish Civil War ended up after the war, um, and then also how their participation in the uh, Civil War was first commemorated uh, in the Yiddish press of the 50s.
0: Yeah, so what you see um, after the International Brigades are dissolved, a lot of the soldiers that cannot be repatriated um, to their countries of origin, that includes Poland, Germany, etc., uh, end up in internment camps in the south of France. And then uh, camps like Gours, like Saint Cyprien, Argelès. And from those camps, some of these volunteers are actually transferred to North Africa, French North Africa at the time. And from there, you have a variety of trajectories. So some of these volunteers via the French camps managed to get back to Eastern Europe and actually participate in Jewish resistance movements there, or the general resistance, uh, even participate in the liberation of Poland. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, What you also see is that a number of volunteers who stay in France in the internment camps there actually uh, manage to enter the french uh, resistance so there is sort of a variety of trajectories of people uh, some of whom uh, end up fighting continuing their struggle in the uh, in the resistance movements of that time in terms of commemorations it would be good to say actually that what i look at mostly is volunteers from yiddish speaking volunteers from eastern europe so if you if you talk about Jewish volunteers in general, as I say in the book, that really only makes sense if you, if you talk about people of Jewish descent. Then among those, the Yiddish speaking volunteers were important for me because of the, the Botwin company. So among that group of volunteers who cannot be repatriated, um, you have these people that end up in, in these internment camps and then in Africa in some cases. Uh, in terms of commemorations, of course, the uh, the Spanish Civil War and the International Brigades remain one of the key events for communists uh, on the commemorative calendar, so to speak. So, of course, what you see in the post-war communist press, not only, for example, in Poland, but also in the United States and elsewhere, is that on regular occasions, the anniversary of the war or the anniversary of the creation of the International Brigades you see articles about uh, about the International Brigades. In the Jewish case, you, of course, see articles that deal with the creation of the Botwin Company. So what I did in the book is look a bit at how uh, the newspaper Volkstime, uh communist newspaper in Poland after the war, was dealing with the International Brigades and the presence of Jewish volunteers there and the Botwin Company. And what you see is that it's sort of like a double narrative. On the one hand, it's, of course, a very... Uh, a, a, a communist narrative, so the whole idea that the international brigades were sort of an international brotherhood of men fighting united against fascism, um they maintained that, and that is, of course, the, 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 the standard communist version of events. But what I also looked at And what you also see is that references start popping up to, for example, the Warsaw Ghetto uprising, to Jewish resistance in Poland during the war. So in that communist newspaper, in Volksstimme, you sort of see that it's both... This sort of communist version of the international brigades that is maintained, but at the same time, a sort of tentative genealogy is established between the participation of Jewish volunteers in the international brigades and Jewish resistance during the Second World War. And that theme is actually something that then in the decades following the war becomes in the end, the sort of dominant uh, narrative. So in the Yiddish context, it's, for example, especially picked up by a journalist called Samuel Schneiderman, who was quite a towering figure in the Yiddish press at that time and who wrote a lot, for example, for *Forwards*. And he really picks up um, that idea that Jewish participation in the brigades is important because it sort of constituted the first form of Jewish resistance against fascism, uh, against Nazism, against Hitler, and so on. And, of course, Schneiderman was not writing for the communist press, so he was also free to to to, to give his own opinion on what the international brigades actually were. He didn't care too much about that, um, that communist version of what the international brigades constituted for him. It was really about Jewish resistance. And then gradually what you see is that, let's say, from the late 1960s onwards, these debates, if you will, about Jewish volunteers start moving out of Yiddish circles only. So what you see in the first instance, of course, is that the international brigades are simply important for either people who were there or the generations that lived during the Spanish Civil War. Um, So it was sort of mostly confined to these Yiddish circles. And then, of course, in the 1960s, what you see is that a whole debate about Jewish responses uh, during the Second World War and the Holocaust comes up, many people will know about uh, Bruno Bettelheim, Hannah Arendt, Paul Hilberg, and what they had to say about alleged Jewish passivity. A lot of people, so there's there's a whole internal intra-Jewish debate starting about how Jews responded during the Holocaust. And on the one end of the scale, there are allegations of Jewish passivity. And many people interpret what Arendt and Bettelheim and Hilberg said as being in that, on that side of the debate. And on the other hand, you have people who assert Jewish resistance, armed Jewish resistance. Um, so that debate is taking place with, with these sort of two far ends if you want to put it on a scale. And within that context, the participation of Jewish volunteers in the International Brigade sort of becomes inscribed into this larger narrative of Jewish resistance during the Second World War and the Holocaust and of armed Jewish resistance. And that is sort of slowly in the 70s and 80s becoming the dominant way of evaluating the participation of Jewish volunteers. And what you then also see is that actually this participation of Jewish volunteers, Jewish volunteers are started to be treated as a sort of uh, really specific category that fought in the international brigades. And that's also something I try to deal with a little bit in the book. So Instead of the recognition that the the participation of volunteers of Jewish descent in the first place should be seen in the context of Jewish participation in the left at the time, you sort of see that that original Jewish leftist context is sort of more and more left out. And what comes more and more to the foreground is this idea that Jewish volunteers actually sort of constituted also at that time a specific category of people, which I think is rather problematic, but I sort of try to disentangle how those debates developed and why they developed as they did. Um, and that was, of course, a reaction to that debate about Jewish responses during the Holocaust that actually took place.
1: And in the the last chapter of your book, you discuss a famous speech uh, in 1986 by the then Israeli president um, Chaim Herzog. Tell us about this speech and the way that the image of Jewish volunteers as Jewish resistance fighters has been fixed uh, since around this period.
0: Yeah. So Herzog's speech is actually very interesting because the first thing to say is that this whole construction of the memory of Jewish volunteers in the international brigades was very much led by uh, either former Jewish volunteers or their sympathizers. Um After the war, this was very much a case of uh, almost like a grassroots way of constructing memory without a lot of involvement of the state or the state of Israel. Um, So many groups of people get in contact with one another, uh, try to start discussing the participation of Jewish volunteers on different occasions. Um, By the late 1980s, that sort of narrative that Jewish volunteers were actually the first Jewish resistance fighters, Uh, is sort of established. And then on occasion of the 50th anniversary of the Spanish Civil War, some uh, events are organized in Israel to commemorate that. And uh, Chaim Herzog actually, during one of those meetings, gives then a speech in which he honors the participation of Jewish volunteers as being the first Jewish resistance fighters against uh, uh, against fascism and Nazism and, and, and the Holocaust, ultimately. Uh, and that speech is actually very, very interesting because um, Herzog sort of needs to navigate um, and negotiate uh, a couple of thorny issues, one of them being that actually um, at the time of the Spanish Civil War, uh, there was a small group of Jewish volunteers who came from Palestine to fight in Spain and that was looked up rather unfavorably at the time because there was this, uh, this Arab-Jewish fighting going on. Um, and as the saying went, those Jewish volunteers who actually uh, went to fight in Spain choose Madrid above Hanita, and Hanita was, was, was a settler outpost. Um that sort of symbolized this Jewish-Arab fighting. So basically the narrative at the time was that those those Jews, those Jewish volunteers who left for Spain, were actually abandoning the fight in Mandate Palestine at the time. This is something that so completely ignores in the speech. Um, but what he does do is actually tie this struggle um, of Jewish volunteers in the international brigades to a much broader... Uh, narrative about Israel fighting terrorism, so sort of the idea is that those Jewish volunteers who fought in Spain were actually fighting uh the then variant of 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 terrorism fascism uh in Spain, and he basically ties that to israel's struggle against uh terrorism at his time. So he sort of tries to establish a sort of genealogy in that sense where he inscribes this, this, this struggle of Jewish volunteers in a much broader national narrative in a way. And he sort of links their participation to, to Jewish national interest. Uh, And that's actually very curious and interesting. And what you also see is that of course, for many, um, Many of these volunteers or sympathizers who've been struggling for decades to sort of uh, establish a certain narrative of of Jewish volunteers as Jewish resistance fighters, the fact that Herzog, as the head of the Israeli state, and with his own military background, of course, um, validates uh, their efforts and validates that memory is seen as very important, Um this is the state of Israel who's actually giving official recognition to the participation of Jewish volunteers. So in a way, that's sort of a highlight or a very important event in, in the, um, in the reconstruction of that memory of Jewish volunteers as the first Jewish resistance
1: fighters. Um, well, that's almost all we have, uh, time for today, but it's a, a fantastic book and we definitely recommend, uh, that people go out and, um, check it out. Um, but before we let you go, Um, Would you be able to tell us a little bit about what you're working on next?
0: So one of the things that I'm going to work uh, on is uh, a new project about online Jewish heritage. So my interests are both pre-war and post-war, pre- and post-Holocaust, so to speak. And I'm also... Since I also have quite an interest in digital humanities and digital history, I'm quite interested in the question of how history is being told online, what is being digitized and what histories can you actually tell with that. So within that context, I'm going to work a bit on online Jewish heritage, but I'm also continuing my work um, more broadly on Jewish responses to anti-Semitism, to persecution, to fascism. Um, in the 1930s and during the Second World War. So I have many different projects actually lined up, but these are perhaps the two most most important.
1: Alright, well thanks very much for joining us on the program. This has been New Books in Jewish Studies with your host Max Kaiser, and with us today we had Gerben Zagzma and he was talking to us about his new book, Jewish Volunteers the International Brigades and the Spanish Civil War, published this year by Bloomsbury. Thanks again.